Let's open to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll have the children dismissed at this time to the children's church. And if you could, uh, put your bulletin or something, Genesis chapter 1, and turn with me, if you would, to Second Peter chapter 1. And uh, we're going to take the next several weeks, Lord willing, on Sunday mornings and uh, have one basic subject, one basic purpose in every message over the next several weeks here. And that is found in verse 3, excuse me, of Second Peter chapter 1. It says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. This verse here says that his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How are we going to get this power How are we going to be given these things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness? And we've been over this passage many times, but it says that this is all going to happen through the knowledge of Him. And as I was praying about the sermons, I I don't believe that we've ever taken uh, time to just go through The story of Jesus. How else are you going to know about Jesus if you don't study the Bible? The answer is knowing about Jesus. Amen? All things. That's how you got saved, my friend, is you learned about Jesus, didn't you? Amen? You you learned that He was the Savior, that He did everything. And, And so what we want to do is we want to start at the beginning... And get the whole story. Someone said, well, where, where do you want me to start? Well, usually the best place to start is at the beginning, is it not? That's why your bulletin or finger or turn to Genesis 1-1. And we're going to go over several passages in the Scripture here. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, that is the first verse in your Bible. That is not a uh, scientific uh, statement because science has to be proved. If you cannot test your hypotheses, as they would say, if you cannot prove your guess, which is what a hypothesis is, by experimentation and repeated outcome, then it's not science. So why is evolution considered science everywhere you go? It's not science. You can't test it. They say that, oh, you see evolution around you, and they talk about the moths, in England, they got darker with the, as the buildings got darker with the soot. The moths got darker to match uh, the things. If you uh, ever in uh, the Grand Canyon area, I remember uh, uh, visiting uh, uh, a place, uh, 
Well, it was the Red Canyon is what it was called. It's halfway between Phoenix and the Grand Canyon. And they got all these neat little signs that tell you that the cacti, that's plural of cactus, uh, realized the predators in the desert would want their water, and so they grew spines to protect themselves from the predators. Now, I knew house plants were smart, but I never quite figured that one out. Um, now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything. You know, one of the things that we forget is that if God is the creator, he is a lot of other things too. And one of the reasons why the world and those that want to attack God attack his Position his authority as creator is because there's a lot of things that go along with that creator thing. And the one word that people hate the most, authority. How many of you remember second grade? I mean... My teacher, her name was Mrs. Kilgore. And uh, it just felt like that sometimes. I mean, she lived up to her name. Uh, She could intimidate you and and put you in your place. I I just remembered, second grade was some of the most traumatic years. No, I only went there once. Uh, But... There have been times in my adult life where I felt like I had been demoted back to second grade. Has anybody ever been there? You walk into a place or a position and there is this large and in charge personality who is bound and determined that everybody is going to walk in a straight line. No stepping out of line. No talking. I want everyone to take only one sip at the water fountain. I mean, how many of you have ever been there? That's just not a fun place to be now, is it? Now, how did we get there? I don't know. No. We got there because that is a misuse of authority now, isn't it? Now, in Sunday school, we went through the story of the unjust judge, and Jesus was using that parable to explain to his disciples and to us today and all that will listen Don't treat God like the unjust judge. So why do we treat God like an evil, authoritative, crazed second grade teacher? Hello? You see, this idea of creation... And let's just look through some of this. The Bible tells us, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, And God said, 
Verse 6. And God said. Verse 9. And God said. Verse 11. And God said. Verse 14. And God said. Verse 20. And God said. Verse 21. And God created. Verse 26. Well, verse 24. And God said. And verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. How many of you caught the plural pronoun there? And God said, let us. Do you know the reason that pronoun is plural? Is because the pronoun is plural in the Hebrew text from which our English was taken. God used a plural pronoun referring to himself. Now, this is one of the problems that Islam always likes to point out. How can God be two when he's one? Oh, no, God's not two, he's three. Uh, 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 Yeah, but you make it even worse now. How can you have three gods? No, we don't have three gods. We have one God. But God needs no helpers. That's exactly correct. He doesn't need you to protect him. He does very well all by himself. Amen? Uh, No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. No, you don't understand. Who was hovering over the Spirit, uh, over the face of the deep? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Who was speaking? God. Who was working and fulfilling the words that God spoke? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. God created everything that now is out of nothing through the Word of God. God spoke. You see, you cannot separate the living Word from the words of God. They are one in the same. Now, we can create things with words, can we not? A good storyteller should be able to get those that he's telling the story to, to see in their mind what he is talking about in his story giving. Isn't that true? That's why a real good storytellers, the best storytellers, speak very slowly. The reason they do that is because they're giving your mind time to pictureize or to materialize the words that they are speaking. I don't know if you've ever read one of these things. They'll take a, a pyramid and they'll arrange the words in a pyramid, and they'll leave out all kinds of vowels and different parts of the words. And you'll look at that, and your mind will fill in. If you know how to read English, your, 
your mind will fill in all the missing letters because you will immediately, because of the arrangement of the words and everything, you'll see the words and, and you will autocorrect a whole lot better than your phone does uh, uh, and fill in those letters. But God did not create a mood. You see, this is where the Greek philosophers come in. Those that say nothing is real. We live in a world of ideas. You know what they're doing? They're watering down the Genesis message. You see, God didn't create ideas. He created solid matter with His spoken word. You see, the best that man can do is he can create emotions or ideas or thoughts. But God created a universe that man has yet to truly measure. The best he can figure, the best mathematicians of men say that this universe in which we live is 13 and one-half billion light years across. Now, light travels at 286,000 miles per second. Multiply that by 60, and you'll get the miles per minute. Multiply that by 60, you'll get the miles per hour. Multiply that by 24, you'll get the miles per day. Multiply that by 365.25 and you'll get the miles per year. And then multiply that number by 13.5 billion and you'll get the distance that man has measured the universe to be. How many of you have I lost? I I lost me after the second 60. Uh, I mean... Could I challenge you? It's a big universe. And who but God could take this magnificent universe, which we cannot measure, and stick one little planet exactly 93 million and some odd miles away from a sun that would warm it and, and keep the temperature constant so man could survive and Regardless of all of the things that NASA has found, all of the movies that Marvel has made, all of the science fiction things that have ever been dreamed up in the depths of man's depravity and his convoluted imagination, this is the only place in the universe you can find water, and life. You say, but there's, but there's ice out there. Yeah, there's ice. But if they were honest, most of it's methane and other chemicals. You see, water is here. Life is on this planet. Because God said, and it became. God is the creator. Let's turn to first. 
Well, let's finish verse 26 here. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, I would like to challenge you that God in his creation made a great variety in the human genome. How many would agree with me on that? I mean, there are tall people, there are short people, there are all kinds of colors of people. Uh, And yet, contrary to popular belief, everyone is a person. Amen? Someone said, there's only one race. That's the human race. And by the way, there is no other cognitive life on in this universe. You have God, His angels that He created, and man. Animals do not think Oh, but my little Fifi knows my every thought. You know, I wouldn't say that out loud if I were you. Do you realize what you're saying? Apparently, you don't have very many thoughts. If the dog knows all of them, amen? And if you've said that, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just trying to get you to understand that Animals were not created in the image of God. Man was. He made us special. He gave us a thought process. That's what we call the soul of man. God the Father. He gave us a body. That's what we see. That's what we're going to feed as soon as I'm done preaching. Amen? Uh, That's what we take care of. Jesus Christ. And when man was originally created, there was a spirit in man that had a direct connection with the Spirit of God. But we all know what happened. Genesis chapter 3, sin came into the picture. God said, in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. And Adam and Eve did die that day. They no longer had that connection to God. But let's go back to Genesis, uh, first, I mean, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and get a little background here. We have God the Father created through His spoken word. The Holy Spirit making direct contact with creation, hovering over the face of the waters. In verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was present. The Bible tells us so. Jesus was the causative agent. He was part of the creation process. 
God spoke with his word. Jesus, as the living word, made the words of God take on a real, solid reality and things changed and grew and became. you notice one thing in all the creating that God created. God never created life. Because God is life. And you see, this is where the ancient philosophers come up with this whole idea that there is a little bit of God in all of us. You see, God is life, and he gave us life. So, huh? We're, we're like God. Bam. Wrong answer. You're taking it a step too far. God gave us life. But we are not God's. He did not give us part of himself. We will never be elevated above that which we are. Man has always sought to become God. That that is what religion, all of the ancient religions were to please God or become God. That's Buddhism. Um, It it really seems to be one of the go-tos for all of the satanic ideas of mankind's imagination. In Buddhism, you can become a Buddha or a god. They claim that Jesus was an initiate of the mysteries and that he was a Buddha of the second level. But the Buddha, the one they worship, whose philosophies they follow, he was of the eighth. Well, that's blasphemy, my friend. The only time Buddha will ever meet Jesus Christ is at the great white throne where he will be judged short of the glory of God and bound forever and cast into the lake of fire. That's what the Bible teaches. You cannot change yourself. You cannot become a god. God did not create life because he is life. And he has the power to give life. God is all about life. Man is all about death. You know, they are just screaming in the halls of Capitol Hill because with all appearances, Judge Kavanaugh will be approved uh, in the next week or so. As another, as the newest member of the Supreme Court of the United States, and they are so afraid that Roe v. Wade is going to be struck down. You know, they were. Uh, I heard someone criticize. He he made a statement that that uh, Roe v. Wade is bad law. Well, excuse me, where does law come from? Does it come from the courts? Law is supposed to come from Congress, not from the judges. little civics lesson here, but it's not taught in schools. A law is passed by Congress and signed by the president. The judges are supposed to decide whether you are guilty or not according to the law. That's the purpose of the law, the judges. But we have judges that have made laws and they're actually admitting this in public and they're so afraid 
that their illegally made laws are going to be turned over. Why do they love abortion so much? You need to ask that question. Why is the murder of an unborn child so important to them? You see, you read through your Bible and it talks about some pretty horrendous things. You're going to find a phrase in there. Made his children pass through the fire. That's talking about human sacrifice to false gods. One of the most abominable acts of mankind. We no longer have temples. And we no longer have altars where you can actually see the death process as people did in the ancient times. But I would challenge you, abortion is no less human sacrifice to the God of their own lust and the God of themselves than what went on in the Old Testament. And you want to know why they're so crazy about it is because you are attacking their God. The devil loves the death of the innocents because it makes a mockery of what Jesus did to pay for our sins on the cross. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there was not anything made, and without Him, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. I want you to understand we're trying to learn about who Jesus is. And His first appearance according to John chapter 1, is in Genesis chapter 1. As the Word of God that made everything that now is out of nothing. And let's just come down to chapter 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now, we see... Jesus as God, the Creator. And God says that He sent Jesus down to earth so that we could enter His kingdom. Now, the simplest definition of a kingdom is the area uh, under control and protection of the king. Uh, If you've ever studied the old... Uh, medieval history in England and Europe, you would, uh, you would have the castle in, uh, in the center uh, of, of an area and the farmers would be all out in the little villages. There would be little villages and blacksmith shops and all kinds of stuff. But, uh, and then the farm fields were out from there. And so the, the people who lived there would live in the little village and they would go out and they would till and grow the land and then they would bring the produce in and they had to pay to uh, taxes to the owner of the castle. Because when enemy soldiers came in to uh, attack and steal 
everybody left the villages and they all went into the castle. And they dropped the, uh, they raised the drawbridge and dropped the doors and the gates and they would set up and they could hold out as long as they had stores and fresh water. And the marauders would take what they could and they would leave because they couldn't, you see, it was the job of the king in the castle to protect the people of the area. There was safety there. There was a, and each king, then as history progressed, aligned themselves with a leader, and now we have a kingdom where you would have the king ruling over all of his lords or the lesser kings that had little areas. And that way the king could control the entire country. And when an army would come in, he would not only call on the soldiers that he had trained in his own castle, but he would be able to call upon the soldiers of all the other castles. And he would raise an army and repel the invader at the shores. That, that was his job. How many of you would like to be a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He that runneth into it is safe. Amen? How do I get to be a member of that, uh, a, a citizen of that kingdom? Well, it says here in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which, had us, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, I, I wish I could find some way, new way to describe this, but science tells us that everything that, that we know, all matter, is made up of molecules. And those molecules are assembled in cellular form and they make up the human body they tell us the human body has somewhere around 10 trillion cells in it. And uh, many of those are diversely different from another. You have brain cells. You have muscle cells. Uh, you have uh, hair follicles that produce your hair or not. You have all of these things that are out there that work in your body to make it a physical body. But... It's all molecules. 
little bits of carbon and little bits of this and that and the other thing. But all molecules are made up of atoms. All, all matter. We get down to the atomic structure. There are atoms that make up this piece of paper. If I were to set this piece of paper on fire, I am releasing the power or the latent power that is in this piece of paper. And all I'm going to have is carbon uh, and other things from the ink and stuff when I'm done. But what holds the atoms together? You know, science has tried to explain that. They've come up with quantum mechanics. They've come up with all kinds of incredible ideas. But they can't explain what keeps the atom together. Can I tell you that by him all things consist? That it is the power of the Creator. And this is why the pantheists are here. What is a pantheist? A pantheist believes that God is everywhere and in everything. That's why, that's why you can't chop down trees. God is in the tree. And that's why you can't kill cockroaches in your house. Because God is in the cockroach. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm not a pantheist. Amen? Because I'm going to kill every roach and every rat and every mouse and every little thing. All the mosquitoes. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe God is uh, in those things and wants those things in my house. How about you? Are you in agreement with me there? Uh, I hope you are. But there are people who literally believe these things. Why? Well, everything consists by the power of God and you can't disturb God's power. Wrong. You've taken your focus off of the Creator and put it on the creation. God doesn't want us focusing on the creation. He wants us focusing on the Creator. Amen? You see, it's not your kingdom. It's His kingdom. He is the king. He is the creator. Now look at this next verse here. It says in verse 17, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Um, did you get that? Those first few verses there talked about God making us worthy to be translated from the kingdom of sin and the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He is the creator of all things. By Him all things consist. And the next sentence is, and He's the head of the church. Could I challenge you that church is important to God. Really important. That God counts the position of Jesus as creator and as head of the church 
as equal positions. God does not play church, my friend. He is not pretending. Church is not something that is optional. If you are going to serve God, if you're going to recognize Jesus as the Creator, you must recognize Him as the head of the church and His church as His body. And by the way, there is no such thing as a universal body. A body, in order for it to be a body, must be in one location. If it's going to be alive, it's got to be connected together. If it's dead, it's an autopsy. And God ain't dead. Amen? And His church is not dead. That's why I often, even a stop clock is right twice a day, but Harold Camping was wrong about everything. Uh, that was one of his last claims, that the church was dead. And if you're going to get the truth, you've got to come to Harold Camping. Well, Harold Camping is dead, but the church is still alive. You see, the Creator holds the universe together, but the Creator is the head of the church. He has made us to be put into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me one more passage here, and then we'll try to tie things up. Revelation chapter 3. We might fit in a few more verses before we're done here. Revelation chapter 3. And this is a verse that the Jehovah's Witnesses love to quote, out of context, of course. Verse 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And they say, See there? Jesus was the first thing created. He was the beginning. He was the start. Wrong. Jesus is the source. All creation begins with Him. He is the Creator. Keep it in the context of the other verses and other passages that we have studied. Jesus is the Creator. He holds the world in His hand. Jesus is the origin of creation, but Jesus has no origin. We get back to our first thought on authority. Do you know that Jesus, as the Creator, has the right to determine the difference between right and wrong? Only He has that authority. We, we live in a world where people think that just by changing the definition of a word, that they have changed the truths that underlie that. For nearly 6,000 years of human history, the word marriage has meant only one thing. A man marries a woman. Now, there were perverted forms of that as polygamy, where a man married more than one wife, and, and the, the Bible has never endorsed that. It says the picture of Christ's love for his church is one man and one woman married to each other. 
So we're going to change the definition. That doesn't change the truth that's underneath. Because God not only made the word, he invented marriage. And he explains it. It's thoroughly explained in his Bible. God tells us what is life and what is death. He tells us what will lead to life. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. That's why God calls sin, sin. Jesus is the very God of gods. I often like to bring in history because it it helps us see some things if we're willing to see the Orthodox Church, what later the root of the Catholic Church and the different branches in 500 A.D., there was only one, one church. It was all together. None of the splits had occurred. And they had a council at a place called Chalcedon in modern-day Turkey, I believe, where they finally and definitively once for all settled the issue of the deity of Christ. And if I were to bring that statement, we still have it. It was printed there in 500 A.D. and copied and preserved. And it says that Jesus is the very God of gods. And yet, the very man of man. That he is 100% man and 100% God. And we would say, Amen. And I would say, What's wrong with the church that's still arguing about the deity of Christ 470 years after he ascended into heaven? How? Pray tell, how could that be a church that worships Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Don't tell me that the Roman Catholic Church went bad in the Middle Ages. Don't tell me that it went corrupt uh, in in the 1100s or 1200s. You you pick your date. I'm telling you it was corrupt and a false organization from the very first service that it had. Because Emperor Constantine was its founder, not the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to learn about Jesus, we need to understand a few things about who he is. Jesus has no origin story. He is. He's always been is and always will be is. Jesus is always present tense no matter where he is. He is the ever-living one. He is the creator. He is the very God of gods. We would agree with the statement of the Council of Chalcedon, but we knew that as Jesus was walking the face of this earth. And if you're saved, you have to believe that before you're saved. Otherwise, there is no salvation. Now, would you stop and think a moment? If you could meet the Creator. Well, God says He wants to meet you. 
More than that, he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. He wants you to be under his protection. But if you're going to be in his kingdom, you've got to follow his rules. You, you've got to be a law-abiding citizen. Or they punish you. Isn't that, isn't that the way it ought to be? Now, if I listen to the world, they tell me that you cannot realize yourself until you're set free from all of these laws and regulations and rules. You've got to experience everything. And most of those people end up in a psych ward after taking several trips on bad Drugs or worse, dead, brain dead, vegetative state. Why are people always looking for the new experience? Why are they looking to expand on God's laws? Because there's, there's something I'm missing. Does that sound like the devil in Genesis chapter 3 when he told Eve that eating the fruit would make her like God? How's that working for you, my friend? If I want to realize my full potential as a human being, I must willingly come before the Creator and submit to His authority as my Creator. Only then can I get the direction from Him that I need to fulfill the direction for me that he as the creator has planned. Is that childish? Well, Jesus said we went over it in Sunday school, didn't we? Except you become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, yeah. See, we make a great big deal about being free as Americans. And I've heard more than one veteran saying, I'd never burn that flag, but I put my life on the line so you have the right to. Okay, I understand that thought process. But I want you to think about something. In the 1960s, we had a war called Vietnam. And we forced men into service. It was called the draft. It was left over from Korea in World War II. At the end of World War II, the United States had 16 million men and women as part of the armed services in a country that was just barely 200 million. Stop and think about those percentages. It's an Unbelievable percentage. But you know what America prides itself on today? It's an all-volunteer force. No one is conscripted. Now, are there people in the military that don't want to be there? Oh, yeah, sure. But there's not a one of them that didn't get in there by making a free choice with the few exceptions that they used to when you, you had the choice between jail and boot camp, 
but still, it was a choice that was made. They don't do that much anymore because the people who are running our armed services have found that the best military sir, uh, best people in military uniform are there because they want to be there. Now, the United States military services can figure that out. Don't you understand that God's already had it figured out before the foundation of the world? He does not conscript us by fear. He asks for a willing choice to serve Him because He is the Creator. Far more than a commanding officer. Far more than any uh, leader of men. He is the Creator of all men. In His image we were originally created. And He gives us the opportunity to willingly surrender our life to Him and His service. There's a song that my wife's family used to sing in one of the phrases in it, only willing love is worth the price. See, God understands that if He forces you to do anything, and by the way, He can, He's God. Hello? that that goes against the original picture of God's love and life and creation. If you end up in hell, it's because you chose to go there. If you want to realize your quote-unquote potential, if you want your life to count for anything, you need to understand Jesus is the Creator. And God's just as interested in Jesus being the head of the church. And by the way, you can be part of a church if you get scripturally saved, scripturally baptized, and choose willingly to serve Christ in His church. That's all there is to it. We're trying to learn a little bit about Jesus. This part of Jesus isn't preached often. But it needs to be. He has the right to determine our life's direction. He has the right to tell us what to do. But God will not give you His best until you willingly surrender to His authority and direction. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come.